have y'all been praying for me? Okay, that's good, because I I need the prayers, all right? Um, Because I, I probably this week have studied more for a sermon than I ever have in my life. And my calling to you from God, which, I've, which I am confident of the calling, is to preach the whole counsel of God and to preach the truth to you guys so that you have the truth from God's word to be built up, to be edified. And um, it's interesting. Usually, the more I prepare, the more confident I am of the material. But not this week. Um, I prepared and spent so many hours um, reading different uh, uh, preachers, commentators, and reading the text over and over again, and I'm quite humbled standing before you right now. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm humbled. But that's okay. That's a good position to be in when you're preaching the Word of God. Amen? And I'm a little bit skeptical and leery of the ones that sure do know for sure what this is about. And they're going to say, this is what that is exactly. Particularly, now I'm not talking about the fundamentals. I'm talking about, in particular, some of the, challenge, the questions about timing. That's, that's the struggle for me a little bit. Timing. When is this going to happen? When is the tribulation going to happen? When do these horses and these uh, judgments come in? When is the church pulled out exactly? And uh, Christians are struggling to figure out the answers to that and i will tell you and we'll talk about this tonight southern baptists are all over the map on that as well and so i'm and the the reason why uh, i'm sharing this this is the southern baptist statement of faith regarding last things god in his own time and in his own way will bring the world to its appropriate end According to his promise, Jesus Christ will return personally and visibly in glory to the earth. The dead will be raised and Christ will judge all men in righteousness. The unrighteous will be consigned to hell, the place of everlasting punishment. The righteous in their resurrected and glorified bodies will receive their reward and will dwell forever in heaven with the Lord. We can agree on that. Amen? Amen. And that's why it's a little, it's, it's concise because Whenever we start to dive in and start to build up our theology, you know, you can start to have different views about it. So we'll break that down a little bit tonight. But don't forget this verse right here. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. I just hate it when churches divide over stuff. I think it's the work of Satan. Amen? And when churches are confused or preachers are preaching different things and it splits people up and everything, I got to think, what happened there? How did we ever get to a point where preaching the Word of God would do anything but unite us in our mission? And so I stepped back from all the the things I learned and and know after my studies, then I would read another, you know, well-respected, you know, Baptist, like W.A. Criswell, y'all ever heard of him? The big-time Dallas preacher uh adrian rogers all these guys i'm thinking uh, oh i didn't think about that that doesn't agree with my my professor at southwestern seminary right now so there's a lot of there's confusion and and we got to remember this so we got to my my view that i'm expressing to y'all here now 
is if we're sitting here disagreeing about these particulars, maybe that's not what God has in mind with the message of the book of Revelation. Are you with me? And my aim for you is to preach what the Word of God intends for us to receive. I'm going to do the best I can, and I believe with all my heart that today we will walk away with even more clearer understanding about the end, the things that are to come, and what it means for us. We'll be in Revelation chapter um, 6 today. Before we do that, I want to take a moment here and let you see... This tribulation to come is something that's been known about from the time of Jesus Christ as he himself warned whenever he was here with his disciples in Matthew 24. As Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him and said, tell us, now Jesus had just got through telling them the temple was going to be destroyed. Now that was a beautiful, huge temple, and they were all proud of it. And Jesus said, not one stone here will be left upon another. Uh, and he's talking about the destruction of that temple by the Romans. Um, but they ask him, they said, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now there's two questions there. When will these things be is asking about that destruction of the temple. And then tell us when, what will be the sign of your coming? And so whenever you see this, this is called the Olivet Discourse. Whenever you see this long passage of Jesus responding to them, he's answering those two questions, and we kind of have to remember that as we're reading. Nevertheless, Jesus gives us a heads up. It's going to get pretty rough on planet Earth. Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. Are y'all hearing common themes here from what we read in Ezekiel? And I could give you a dozen more, probably more like a half a dozen more, prophetic passages from Daniel, Ezekiel, Isaiah, that repeat this common theme here. There's going to be famines, pestilence, earthquakes, war. And all these are the beginning of sorrow. These are the birth pangs of what's to come. Now, y'all know, especially those, those ladies of y'all that have had children, you understand how when the baby is starting to come, it's gradual. You start to have contractions every so often. And then what happens as it gets closer to delivery. It starts coming closer together, right? It starts becoming more intense. Like, this is the idea. This is the language that Jesus is saying. These things are going to start to happen more and more. And now we go to Revelation chapter 6. Remember, last week we talked about the opening of the scroll. We talked about, basically, who was worthy to open the scroll. What is that scroll? That title deed of the universe, the, the, the document that says this belongs to God, he created it, and someone else come in and took control of it. This prince, this dark prince of the world that we struggle with today, Satan, the great dragon, has taken control in some ways of this, of this place we're in. But it belongs to God, he created it, and he's going to come in and take it back, right? 
That's the message we've looked at so far. Now that process of coming in and taking it back, opening the scroll, setting the record straight, now we're going to see how that unfolds. And it's not going to, you know, Satan wants to hold on to what he has. Jesus and God aren't going to be able to just come in and say, here, let's turn this back over to me. It's going to get ugly because of the way Satan is and because of the nature of evil in this world. Whenever we're offended to hear, and there's passages in the Old Testament that God talks about, I'm going to bring judgment to this nation and blood will fill up to their helmets. We, want to, we hear that and we think, ooh, that ain't what we talk about at church, is it? We, we hear the message of grace and God is loving and, and God is all loving. And the reason why these verses are challenging for us is because we underestimate the horrendous nature of sin. We don't think it's that big of a deal. When you consider a holy God and you see sin and evil from his perspective, he is right to bring vengeance, okay? But it's challenging to the, to the world to hear this message. And not least of the which is the fact that the world is composed of individuals that all want to be their own God. We don't want anybody coming in and telling us how we're supposed to live our lives. And that's why America is becoming more and more secularist and atheist. Because Americans, generally speaking, are becoming folks that don't want to be told how to live a righteous life and what God wants of them. They want to be their own God. I've been there. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm better than anyone else. I've been there. But we recognize you and I. God is God. We don't have a choice, do we? But if we surrender to him, he loves us and he creates the best possible life we can imagine. And these passages may be challenging because we do have this loving relationship with God. And just remember, that's how wicked and ugly sin is, that it would deserve the vengeance that's come, about to come out. Okay? Now I saw the Lamb open one of the seals. And when I heard the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, thunder comes before the storm hits. Come and see, and behold, John says, I looked, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one uh, who sat on it, and to take, he, it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, that people should kill one another, and that there was given to him a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and wine. And when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. And so I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was Death. And Hades followed with him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by beasts of the earth. You see the common theme here? This is what judgment looks like from God Almighty. And God has brought judgment before. The people of Israel experienced God's judgment. 
just like this, only this is taking it to a global scale. People experience judgment for rejecting God's Messiah. And so God allows the Roman army to come in and destroy Jerusalem and its temple. That was devastating for the Jews. Can you imagine what that was like for them? They lost their homeland. They lost their temple. It was judgment. But that happened over and over in Scripture. This is the nature of God's judgment. Let's go back and unpack these just a little bit. And it's in stark contrast, isn't it, to the last chapter where we have this picture of heaven. You remember how glorious and beautiful? And now we turn our sights down to planet Earth where the prince of demons has kind of taken control. And God's got to go in and clean house. And it's ugly. Not God's work, but what's happened down here. And he goes down here and he sends this first horse. The one sitting on a white horse. These almost parallel exactly Jesus' teaching in the Olivet Discourse. When you go back to Matthew 24, Jesus starts off by talking. He listed these out. He, ta- he starts off talking about someone who was going to deceive people, saying they're going to say that they're me, that they're the Christ, but they are liars. They are deceiving you. This horse looks pretty good, actually, doesn't it? Especially compared to the other three. It's a conqueror, you know, a, a white horse, you know, victory, even wearing a crown. And you might be inclined to say, is that Jesus on that horse? Jesus is going to ride out in triumphant victory much later in the, in the revelation. This is someone who looks like Jesus. This is the Antichrist. The one who opposes Christ. And we can talk about what exactly the Antichrist is. In fact, the New Testament says there's lots of Antichrists. They're the ones who deny Jesus Christ. And the spirit of the Antichrist is coming down on this world to deny Jesus Christ and God, and going to conquer this world with that sword of denial. And that's the, the white one. And then the second one here, the red horse, is the, the idea of war. Have you all noticed that as our society, and I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying this is the timing, that what we're seeing now tells us it's, it's, you know, this is happening then or whatever. We've got to be humble about all that. But have you noticed that as our country moves and moves further and further away from God, there is more hostility amongst us? There is a reason for that. When you take God out of the equation, did you ever consider peace on earth is a grace that God gives us? We take it for granted. We think peace is just normal, and then war is when people get out of line. Peace is a gift from God that we experience. And God is saying here with this second horse, I'm going to take peace out of that world. Oof. To take peace out of this world. And I can see peace leaving this world. I can see it, I can see it developing now. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a black horse. And on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living, living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and don't harm the oil and wine. Now what this means is, you know what a denarius was a day's wage. Okay? A denarius is a day's wage. And they were going to get paid a day, they were going to have to pay a whole day's wage for a quart of wheat enough to feed one person. 
a whole day's wage to feed one person. How's that going to work for a family of five or six or even two? This horse brings famine into the world. Famine. The scale is just the symbolic of them having to weigh it out, and they are going to be they are going to be hungry, which that always, ha- that always follows war. You know, you have famine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth creature saying, come and see and look, a pale horse. Now, that doesn't quite give the picture when it says pale. It's the idea of a dead-looking horse, that color of death. You know, when, when you see an animal or, su- or an individual has died and the way the color changes to this, Muted gray, lifeless gray, that's the color of this horse. This horse is bringing death into the world. And power was given over them to kill the sword with hunger, with death by the beasts and of the earth. <clears throat> this is a picture of God's judgment coming into the world. When I opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar of the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they hailed. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? We're going to pick up on that next week. We're going to stop there and pick up on that verse, on that seal, or go from that seal onward next week. I, plan, I thought about preaching this whole chapter today, but we're going we're gonna to take a break and stop right there. And just focus on this idea of God's judgment. God is going to bring judgment to this world, and we have to be sure that we are prepared for that judgment. Now, how do we prepare for the judgment that God is going to bring. We have to remember some of the promises that God has offered to his people. He has mentioned that you will experience trials of various kinds and challenges, and these happen so that your faith can be refined, that you can be strengthened. He has said to, particularly to the church in Philadelphia, we just saw this a while back, that they would be spared all the tribulation that is to come. And the Lord has his people in his protection. And when you hear this passage, when you see the, the starkness of these four horses, these horsemen, and the nature, the terrifying nature of God's judgment, your emotional response should be relief that we're saved, amen, and pity and concern for those that are not. And it ought to motivate us to go out on a mission to save the world. I think that's God's intentions here. He, he doesn't just do it out of the blue. He gives John a revelation so many years ago, to let people know this is what's going to happen. And he who has ears to hear, let him hear, as Jesus said. Are we listening? Is the world listening? We will make sure 
that we rest in the protection of our Lord and that we trust we will not have to experience the, the vengeance of God. We are spared from the vengeance of God. We're going to have a song of invitation, the lyrics of which I love so much. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, was what? Nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Jesus absorbed the vengeance from God on our behalf so that we don't have to. He took death on himself. He was punished for our transgressions. And we rest in that. And whenever we hear about the tribulation to come, which will come, and I see birth pangs today. Do y'all see them? Do you see the world developing these birth pangs of justice? I'm confident in my own salvation, and I... And I want you to be as well. And if you're not, you please talk to me. And let's talk about that. But I want us to be motivated to say, okay, now, we can't just run out of a burning building to save ourselves. There's children in there. There's people in there that are struggling, that need to be rescued. Let's go back. It reminds me of that, that old Molly Brown story on the Titanic. Have you all heard that story? She gets on the lifeboat with all those rich people, and there's all these drowning people, and they wouldn't let her go back. to. They're like, she's like, let's go back and get more people, and they wouldn't let her. They, they didn't want to go back and get more people because they didn't want to get their own hands dirty. They didn't want to endanger themselves. Finally, she fought them long enough that went back and started trying to rescue people, and that's our calling is to rescue the perishing and those that are facing this coming judgment. I want you to stand with me as we have this song of invitation. And please, if you need confidence of your salvation or you need help developing a heart for others, come and pray with me as we stand and sing.